Welcome to Word on the Street, a weekly podcast from Barclays UK, where our experts help ordinary investors make sense of the latest news and events impacting the world's financial markets. This week, we look at how the pandemic has changed the way people think about their spending. Has our attitude to risk changed fundamentally? And what trends are emerging about how people manage their money? With Nikki Eggers, Head of Investments, Sean McIntyre, Head of Families and Retiree Segment, and Rob Smith, Head of Behavioural Finance. Hello, welcome to another edition of our weekly podcast, Word on the Street. This time, I've the great privilege of introducing you all to Sean McIntyre, who heads the Families and Retirees Segment at Barclays UK. Um, we also have Rob Smith uh, to, to join the conversation um, because we're going to talk about all things to do with the UK consumer. What's their current plight um, and what's the outlook for that most important actor in the UK's recovering economy? So, Sean, let's start with your role at Barclays. Can you give our listeners a bit of an insight into what, what is the role of Head of Families and Retirees segment? What, what does it entail? What kind of thing are you doing on a day-to-day basis? Oh, thanks, Nikki. Um, yeah, so Head of Families and Retirees, I've got the, um, the privilege, really, of looking after one of our largest customer bases um, in the retail part of the bank. And it's looking after our customers who are aged 30 and over, um, who are really at key life stages. So when I think about that, just to bring it to life, um, our customers at the, this stage early on are thinking about settling down. Families is a bit misleading because it's also for those who are single, perhaps aren't in a traditional family. But those who are really starting to think long term and to plan ahead, whether that's because they're starting to have children, um, buy their first home or start to really reach out and achieve some of those dream goals or you know big holidays. Um, and then later on in, in the segment, in terms of as the life stages mature, Sure. Um, our customers are now starting to think about different needs. So is that children getting ready for university and some of the costs um, associated with that? Or is it a bit more about retirement planning? And are they ready right through to our customers who are retiring? Um, and the nature of retirement is really changing, um, whether it's entirely retiring or whether it's a part-time job or kicking off that business that you always thought you wanted to. But it's really the core role across that base is to understand our customer needs at all of those key life stages and then really working with our product teams and propositional teams to make sure that we've got the right products and propositions to meet them. So that's that's sort of the role in a, in a nutshell. That sounds um, like you're, you're covering an awful lot there. And, and so obviously, since we've had the onset of, of the pandemic, how have your priorities changed? I mean, what types of measures have we introduced to try to support some of our personal customers in your segment over the last few months? Yeah, well, I I think the word crisis has been um, used repeatedly. Mm. And I'd say we we did it, we felt a bit like a tsunami that that I I divide it into two halves. So you had the immediacy of the health crisis and COVID-19. And our focus really went from sort of run the bank in the traditional way to crisis mode. And that translated for us to maintaining access to services. You'll recall at the time, um, the government made decisions, rightly so, but quite swiftly in terms of movement that impacted both our customers, but also us operationally in terms of how we could operate. Um, And our own colleagues were actually um, themselves exposed to the consequences of, uh, of the virus at the time. So the priority there was maintaining access to services. We had huge pressures 
in terms of our ability to keep our branches open and pressures in our call centers. And that's where our digital and automated channels really kicked in. And I guess the, the diversification of our channel operating model um, went a long way to mitigate the stress we were under. But it was really about staying open for business and ensuring our customers could maintain access to services. Within that, we also had to look at some of our, our specific groups, in particular vulnerable customers, um, whether they're sort of those who are traditionally vulnerable or in particular those who were um, elderly. So we, we, I look after the retiree segment. So a lot of our customers were impacted by um, even stricter isolation requirements. Yeah. So we put interventions in place really to make sure that our over 60s, customers who traditionally only use the branch that we contacted them so one of our our um, planned interventions that was brilliantly executed by our frontline teams were our care calls so we proactively contacted every single one of our over 60s branch only users just to see how they were doing and the purpose of it was to support them to find alternatives so could they register for telephone banking those who are confident to get online, was that the alternative? But it really translated in going as far as even helping them work out how they got a slot for their shopping. A lot of our customers had right, never yeah. had to do these sorts of things. Um, yeah. So it, it was extraordinary, some of the really heartwarming uh, uh, stories that came through that. Um, there were also some other groups, so the NHS staff, not traditionally vulnerable, but under huge stress. So again, making sure they were prioritised when they did come in to us, whether that was in a branch or telephony, um, was critical because we, we recognised that their time was really precious um, and we needed to really get the prioritise them where we could. So so we did a lot for, for those specific groups um, and that's that was very much access to services. Um, but we also had income shock across this space. So I think we're all very live to, there were, there's a huge cohort of our customers who either were made redundant uh, immediately or were furloughed or had huge anxiety actually about sort of the, their financial situation at such an uncertain time. So a lot mm. of the interventions that um, will be similar with some of, say, our, our business customers were the payment holidays and some of the government schemes. So making sure that we put those in place, whether it was mortgage payment holidays, credit cards, suspending fees on overdrafts was, was really important. All of that creating what I call a cushion. It was the sort of thing in that crisis to really sort of support customers, just get some breathing space so they could get back in control. So that's a sort of the economic sort of crisis. Um, and now we're very much at what the second half, um, looking at how that economic crisis matures and what does the end of payment holidays actually look like. Um, and we're very much seeing our customers want to better understand what their options are and how can they really stay in control. So hopefully that gives you an overview, but very much from run the bank to managing two crises really sort of health crisis and the economic crisis as it matures now yeah absolutely and, I, and I'm sure you know a lot of very uh, individual personal stories but but also help that had to be delivered and it sounds like um, you know there, there was a lot of thought put into uh, supporting different customer groups and, and segments to to support them and a couple of weeks ago in this podcast we covered the topic of consumer confidence so given the relaxation of, of lockdown measures, clearly not not across the board, right? We've seen some um, yeah. some near term uh, changes in that. But 
we've seen you know generally the opening up of the service industries for example and and you know, restaurants etc are you seeing any of that translate into our customers starting to spend more over the last few weeks and and if you have what have they been spending on specifically yeah i mean great question i'd say um we definitely, even in the crisis, actually, we saw a change in spending patterns. So whilst transactions did fall, it was it was quite interesting to see how some some industries actually started to blossom. So golf, for example, was one that suddenly opened up because as, as uh, the government relaxed its rules, it was one of those things you could do outdoors. So um, I think at the different phases as the rules have relaxed, we've definitely seen uh, different types of spend. Um, more recently, as we've seen um, far more I, I guess more relaxation uh, to the point of we're pretty much, with the exception of some of the international travel, free to move around the UK. I de- we've definitely seen a level of bounce back. So whether that's the restaurants, um, whether that's um, people traveling, um, and that does include abroad. I know some of the recent uh, government announcements and restrictions are likely to impact that, but we definitely saw a bounce back in travel, a bounce back in um, in general leisure for you know pubs and restaurants, and you can sort of feel it on the high street. What we've seen then is as our branch network has opened up, um, our business is also bouncing back. It's certainly not near anything that was sort of pre-COVID levels, but some of the interventions the government have made about stamp duty, for example, we've got, you know, real demand for mortgage business. And then there are the day-to-day needs that don't stop because of COVID, like I need my house insurance maintained and so on and so forth. But we're definitely mm-hmm. seeing an uptick in our business and definitely uh, an uptick in sort of the transactions um, overall, but then you know, reflecting the industries that are starting to open back I up. I think if, if that's really interesting from Sean there, and I think if I can just kind of interrupt to, to say, add something, I think what what I saw, especially at the towards the kind of beginning of the crisis from uh, from our point of view was a lot of people talking about, you know, behavior changing and, and how that was going to potentially sort of persist as, as this crisis went on. And obviously, as you know, lockdown measures were, were put in, and and across the board, we saw, you know, obviously people spending less on certain categories of things that, that, that they couldn't access. Suddenly, everyone was very keen to talk about how, how consumers or, or people were potentially going to save into the future now. And this was a big catalyst kind of for that saving uh, sort of behavior. Sean, I know you talked about, you know, seeing some of that spending bouncing back. Can you do you have any thoughts on how like how much of that has come back? Is that anywhere near the sort of levels that that, that we saw pre-lockdown? Yeah, so no it's not. Um I think that that's clear. So I think we were starting from quite a low point for a bounce back. So um it's certainly not back to pre-COVID levels. That's also not a surprise if we look at how our customers are responding. There is still a huge level of caution and anxiety um, in the system. Whether you've actually experienced income shock, um, those customers are very much about getting back in control and recovering. But a large part of our base haven't had income shock, but are still 
being cautious. And we're seeing that in some of the behavior in terms of our deposits. So a huge move for savings, the understanding of the need for buffers and financial resilience. So whilst I think spending has definitely come back mm. and you know we're open for business, the high street is open for business, um, I think our customers are still being cautious about where they spend, how much they spend, um, because we're still in a really uncertain environment, whether that's because of what you hear on the news about industries under stress and businesses under stress, or whether it's the government started to talk about wave two, which they describe, I think, as a <laughs> whack-a-mole in terms of what it will feel like rather than a sort of full shutdown. All of that anxiety is going to impact our customers' confidence. And I think that's playing out in the level of transactions and activity. So definitely a bounce back because I think people are uh, you know, relieved, excited to be back out. And it's wonderful to see businesses welcome, welcoming customers back as much as, as us. But it's definitely not, you know, springing back um, to yeah. pre-COVID levels. This pandemic is very much still here. I think what's really interesting from my point of view is that traditionally behaviours, learnt behaviours like spending habits, these sorts of things are very, are very sticky and they're very difficult to, to change in the long, in the long run. And like you know there's there's some great examples mm, yeah. of that and there's there's this huge mega study done i think it was they started last year of a group of like the world's leading behavioral scientists and psychologists um looking at trying to change certain behaviors sort of for good and um they were looking at their, the first experiment they did was around gym attendance and trying to help people improve gym attendance and you yeah. know they tried hundreds of different interventions that had been sort of studied in academia and things in order to try and get people to kind of go more and the reality was that lots of those didn't really move the needle in the short term versus just getting people who were engaged in trying to trying to take part in this program and therefore they wanted to increase their gym sort of um, participation and reminding them of, of that but but also uh -huh. when you took all of them away in the long run None of them really moved the needle, which which on one hand is quite sort of saddening, uh, but on the, but on the other hand, and that was that was kind of the view of the behavioural science yeah. kind of community at the beginning of this crisis was oh you know once lockdowns are gone, everyone will go back to normal. Behaviour change is very difficult to achieve in the long term, but actually, you know, I think there's two things here. One is the longer this crisis goes on for, the longer that these current you know behaviours persist, and the more likely they are to actually. To, to, to maintain Definitely. into the long term but also it's that it's that kind of uh, interwovenness of of the fear that's caused by the public health I guess and the economic kind of impact of the public health crisis and then fear is a, a hugely motivating emotion Definitely the reality is you know we've all experienced uh, economic and financial setbacks over over our lifetimes what whatever age you are but but what you know apart from a very small minority in our in our population will have experienced is this this huge health crisis and that you know that 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 shock to our system of how we've had to respond to it and the the behavior change that's been imposed right rightly so but it been imposed means that you know I, I do wonder whether whether the fact that we've had this you know once in a, a couple of generations shock um, would start to create a bit more of a being being prepared for a rainy day not necessarily straight away but but that that recognizing that we don't control everything and and that fear of the unknown perhaps playing in a bit more and that's definitely playing out I think that combination of the 
um, the duration of the shock. You know, I think I, I read a study that said, you know, to change a habit, you've got to stick at it for three months. Mm. It, it's ironic lockdown was about three months. Um, so the duration is definitely going to be a contributor to a shift in habit. Um, whether the combination then of the nature of the shock, I mean, this isn't just um, about financial health it's about your actual health mm. it is extraordinary couldn't agree with you more nikki about it's a sort of you know generational sort of point in time and i think businesses have had to reinvent themselves and when you have these sort of moments they've reinvented themselves and they now appeal to our customers in a different way i didn't think i'd be doing a zoom <laughs> class with my uh, personal trainer ever um but i have somehow managed to at least do two i'm not sure i've got a habit formed let's just be clear but um um, you know stick at it long enough i think there's probably a combination of some things our customers are doing the shock has shown them a different way of doing it and that will stick because actually now they can see an alternative they actually prefer it i think there will still be elements of there's nothing like going mm. to a pub with my friends at the end of the day on a Friday. And you can never really replicate that one on Zoom. Um, and some things will bounce back. But it, it's still to be determined, isn't it? We're still in the sort of middle of this, really. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's definitely one to watch. I think, Sean, can I just ask you something? I guess from a from point of view of families and retirees, I was just thinking the other day that, I mean, being, you know, having a family myself, I, I imagine, and I, I might be wrong here, but, but my sort of... Um, imagination is that sort of families and retirees are probably the sorts of customers who are more likely to be sort of routine driven perhaps than our than our sort of younger kind of client base um do you think that might have an effect on on sort of how sort of behaviors change to this because obviously you know being routine driven means usually that it's harder to change but now that we've had this you know all these changes to be let's be honest a bit sort of been forced upon us it's not like we've now we're in a position where we're making more choices but does that mm-hmm. routine also mean that now that people have adjusted that potentially you know they're more likely to kind of stick to those sort of new routines yeah i think there are probably three things where i see a real shift um and a you know a marked shift pre-covid um to post-covid the first one for for this particular base is yes their routine um they probably have a higher propensity to say normally But I think we're definitely seeing, even in those who have not had income shock, some real um, building up of a nest egg and a cushion, Um, right from general savings, where if we even look at some of the returns on those, people still want that security and peace of mind, um, right through to more complex investments. So whether that's going to plan and invest and, and further up the spectrum. So because there is this thirst now for what I call to be financially resilient, um, I think that is definitely a marked shift. So it was we, we this base acted like that before, but is now really almost paranoid about it. And we can see that behaviour in in the deposits and the savings accounts and balances that I have um, that have built up in a really short period of time. The second thing then I think that this base is doing, particularly at the older age range, so our retirees age range, is an acknowledgement that there is a problem by, of being digitally excluded. So um, 
if we think about access to services that I talked about during the crisis, those who didn't have access to digital capability, either from a socioeconomic perspective or from a, you know, I, I don't like it, a cautious perspective, it became a problem. It became a problem quite quickly. Um, and then if we translate that now into the economic crisis, we know those who are digitally excluded don't have the same level of access to job opportunities. They don't have the same access um, to sort of discounts and um, uh, benefits from retailers. They don't have the same ability, certainly in the crisis, to stay connected to family. So there has been this, not necessarily shift in, in, you know, digital confidence, but a shift in an awareness that being digitally excluded is a problem. And I think that's where we as a bank can really step in to help our customer base on that journey. Um, so I think we'll probably see a shift there. So there's sort of savings, um, there's definitely a, a, a keep me fit. There's then definitely a how do I get digitally confident um, and then the last thing I think mm. is a absolute thirst for guidance. So guide me, whether that's to be digitally confident, whether that's to save, but the interactions um, certainly early on when our branches were starting to, to open back up ticked from traditional transactions to actually, I want to speak to somebody. And I think that's where the, you know, the power of our colleagues and the value of those sort of uh, interactions um, with our colleagues is really playing out. Services are still under stress, clearly, but there's definitely a thirst for mm. guidance. So small A advice, however we want to call it. But I just want to speak to somebody who knows and who can help me manage my way through this. Charlotte, I, just, I guess something you said about you know customers, potentially, especially in, in the segments that you're looking at, building up um, you know more of those of those cash kind of buffers. Something I think that's think, been thinking about is how you know this crisis affects people's perception of risks, I guess, both of the risk of the virus itself and the, and the public kind of health um, issues, but also of, of, of the, uh, the economic future and, and particularly for, for where we sit in the business for investing and how all that, you know, potentially heightened perception of risk, given the movements mm -hmm. we saw in the markets that even if people weren't, you know, even if you're not an investor, you saw that what was happening to the to the sort of stock market during, you know, times in March and April. And, you know, does does that lead then to potentially to more kind of risk averse choices yeah. and therefore people like maybe more are less less likely to invest even, sorry, or, or potentially just be more, very cautious when they approach these sorts of subjects because people saving into, into cash and say building up their emergency buffers, I think is a very good thing. And in fact, we've a, a while ago did some research looking at financial well-being, and, and one of the big things that came out of that was it's not just about, or in fact, it's not really about your level of income that dictates your well-being, but it's actually more about the, the buffer you have of and how comfortable you feel because you've got that bit saved and so if that helps if this helps people do that it's great but is there yeah. a risk that I guess with interest rates so, so mm. low and you know the people sitting in lots and lots of cash potentially more than they than they need to be do they get even you know left behind compared to maybe our, our wealthier kind of uh cohort of of, of population in the UK who are potentially exposed to, to better better outcomes through being invested yeah I, I think they're probably a two polar opposite risks in the current situation. So I think cash is really relatable. I understand it. I can see it, even if I'm not earning a great return on it. Um, 
as the sort of financial products sort of go up the, the spectrum, they do get more complex and so do the risks in, in, in relation to them. And when we think about financial literacy, um, just across sort of mm-hmm. society more broadly, um, banking is complex. You know, I find it hard and I work in a bank. I've been in this industry for 25 years. So there's a definitely a, um, I think there's a pull to something I understand, but there's also this, 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 but I know I, I, you know, am I earning as much as I could from this? Is this the best place to put my cash? It may, might, might feel safe because I understand it and I can see it. And that's where the guidance is coming in. So I think there are then, um, there's a role for us to play in guiding mm. our customers to understand the, the breadth of options. It's not just about savings. Do I pay off a little bit more off my mortgage? You know, what are the, you know, what are the trade-offs in term, in the context of what I need individually? Um, the polar opposite um, risk, so there's, there's sort of the cautious and perhaps those who are less financially uh, savvy, not benefiting in the way that, say, some of our wealthier uh, clients do who either have access to dedicated support. That, that's definitely a problem. I think the second uh, challenge or potential risk are the, the vulnerable. So actually, I don't understand it um, uh, how does that make me feel? I'm anxious. Um, and making sure that we're there for our customers, because there's a high correlation with sort of financial stress and mental health, um, is critical. So there's a risk you do something that, that, that isn't right for you because you don't understand it. There's a risk you don't necessarily, um, optimize the opportunity you have with your cash reserves and making sure that we can support at both ends of the spectrums and guide our customers through those choices is critical. Yeah, I couldn't, I couldn't agree more. I think the guidance aspect is, you know, a, our, our role as, as, as a bank in, in society to kind of provide those uh those guide rails and, and that and that help to try and make some of those decisions because we know that like barriers in finance in general but particularly yeah. when you start going towards the more complex kind of uh, side of the spectrum so investing in things you know the barriers yeah, exist uh, and they mm. qu- can be quite large but Definitely. but we we know that there are for, you know not for everyone but for some customers it's it's the right Definitely. thing to be thinking about so that guidance is 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 you know, we I guess it's a, something we spend a lot of time trying Definitely. to think about as well from from an investment point of view. And I think you know this crisis is the one where we can show up, right? This is where banking can be the industry that creates stability, uh, gives our customers you know a level of control uh, to help yeah. them navigate it. Unlike the last one where we were perhaps more the contributors, I think there is there there is both a very definite role and space for us to play. And what's what's wonderful is our customers are calling us in. They're, they're like, help me, I'm here. Mm. And it's not all about colleague tools. We've got some phenomenal money management digital tools. Um, so it's really leveraging all of our assets, right from, you know, nudges uh, in app, um, right from, you know, spend categorization. So I stay in control and I can see where I'm spending my money right through to where I actually really need to talk to a colleague because I just need to navigate this particular either problem because I'm in trouble or opportunity because I, I want to, to learn more and build up sort of those resilience buffers. But a real, a real moment for us. I definitely feel that. And probably a great time to uh, put a bit of a plug in for our sister podcast the personal finance series which which is aiming to help people that are trying to educate themselves a little bit on those steps from from planning and saving uh, to ultimately investment so do have a look at that if if 
what we've just talked about resonates with you as our listeners, you know, where, where perhaps you do lack some confidence. So with that, I'm going to thank you, Sean, very much for being our special guest. Those, those were amazing insights. Thank you so much. My pleasure. Wonderful to join you. All investments can fall as well as rise in value, and their past performance is not a reliable indicator of future performance. This podcast is not a personal investment recommendation.